platform listeners, it's Claudia here from Clayview. We've researched 50 UK retailers and found 80% could improve personalised product discovery. Find out how. Download our new e-commerce discovery report at clayview.com forward slash UK report. Thanks for tuning in again to the Replatform podcast. It's myself, James, and joined as always by my co-host, Paul Rogers. How you doing, mate? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad. It's Friday. Uh, looking forward to another weekend of staying in. How about yourself? Yeah, same. Although I do have a, I have an optician's appointment, which I'm quite excited about. So at least it's uh, slightly out of my normal routine. Uh, you haven't got any problem with your eyes, have you? You're just bored. Well, yeah, pretty much actually. It's um, yeah, pretty much. I'm not actually getting glasses. It's more, yeah, just an eye check, and yeah, I won't go into too much detail now. But <laughs> just an excuse to get out of the house. Um, so yeah, so on today's episode, we are talking about the realities of launching your own e-commerce store. So uh, today's guest is clearly braver than I am. She's a highly experienced e-commerce leader. She's run e-commerce functions for big brands, including Hunker Muller, Karen Millen, but she's now a retailer. So she's running a cool boutique fashion label, 69B Boutique. I'll let her tell you all about it, based in London. The website's 69bboutique.com. But given her background running e-commerce for large fashion brands, this episode is going to be an interesting exploration of the challenges of setting up and running a smaller business and then launching an e-commerce store. So welcome to the podcast, Emma. Oh, thanks for that, James. Thanks for bigging me up there. <laughs> Set you up on the pedestal. How are you today? I'm good. Yeah, like you, looking forward to another weekend of jigsaw puzzles and dog walks. Yeah, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this episode. I've known you for quite a few years. I've always found it interesting, your perspective and take on e-commerce. I love the fact that you've you've had the balls basically to go out there and say, well, actually, I'm going to run my own business now. So um, before we start uh, asking you lots of annoying questions, can you give everyone who's listening a bit of a background on who you are, what you do, and, and also like what, what's driven you into uh, making the switch to running your own business? Sure. So as you've mentioned, my background is e-commerce. I've been working in e-commerce for fashion retail for well over a decade now. I'm working in digital for more than 20 years because I'm really old. Um, But I decided to take the plunge and buy my own business, um, a a bricks and mortar retail store in the middle of a global pandemic. So so I bought 69B Boutique um, in September last year. And the shop itself has been around on East London's Broadway market since 2011. It's got a really established customer base. We've been selling sustainable fashion um, for 10 years, so well before anybody else was doing it. In fact, we like to say that we are London's first store dedicated to a better fashion industry. Um, So primarily we sell women's wear, but I've just brought online men's wear as well. Um, and we're doing some sustainable homewares. Uh, and I had to launch e-commerce in November. It was a bit of a push um, to get it all up and running in time for lockdown. Um, but since then, I've also launched Click and Collect, and we've just gone live with a carbon offset program in the checkout. So lots of things happening. Great. Um, I'll ask the first question. Um, so you've got stacks of experience in kind of bigger brands for household names. Um, how, how do the ch- challenges differ around e-commerce for a boutique brand against some of those kind of bigger companies? Um, it's been really interesting, um, to be honest. I think when I bought the business, they didn't have a transactional website. And I think from my point of view, I thought that's all upside. I, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to double sales by launching a website. I know what I'm doing. It's going to be easy. <laughs> but in actual fact, that really doesn't take into account the issues around stock in a boutique business. So 
most boutiques do very small buys um, and the danger of launching an e-commerce site with that sort of amount of stock is that you're going to starve the store of the of the good stuff so I've got regular customers who come in every week to see the newness they want the good things and if you're selling it online and it all disappears there's nothing for them and in the end they'll just walk away um, and I'm sure as e-com professionals I think most of us would agree that availability is absolutely critical in terms of conversion but I've only got a limited budget and I actually only have a limited physical space to store the stock so although you could hypothetically go endless aisle I can sell anything I still need to keep it somewhere and I'm literally storing stock in a shed in the back garden. So <laughs> I, I just don't have the physical space for the availability to really, really grow e-commerce at this stage. At some point, I hope I could outsource it and keep it in a warehouse, but I do still need the stock to be available in the store. So it's really the biggest challenge I have found is really about stock. And similarly, there are issues around size availability. So in store, like historically, we know who our customers are. We know the sizes that to buy. So there isn't a full size range. We don't stock really large sizes. You can't do that online. You're just going to put off potential customers and they'll never come back. Um, but then again, I can't start buying a lot of extra stock because I haven't got anywhere to put it. Um, I'm also finding pricing is a bit of a challenge. Um, I think when you're selling in store, customers can totally understand that there's a markup on products they can see. There's a building, there's electricity, there are staff to pay. But online, they can't see any of those elements and they don't have the in-store experience and the additional sort of added value of the human touch. So, they can very easily do a comparison shop to see that I am more expensive than buying, say, directly from the brand or from an internet only retailer. And so that is a bit of a challenge as well. And um, so you've generally had quite like senior roles, I guess, or particularly recently where you've probably had a team. Like, How have you found the kind of challenge with having limited resources? And yeah, what does your day to day look like? Day to day during lockdown, um, I've had to furlough most of my team, I've brought one of them back part-time, um, mainly because I simply can't bear to go to the post office myself every single day. Um, so the beginning of my day looks like picking and packing customer orders, schlepping to the post office in the snow, schlepping back from the post office, and then sitting in the store waiting to hand over, click and collect orders, contact-free, obviously. Um, so, um, we do between 12 and 3 so people can come and pick them up from the store. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm trying to do the digital marketing, but I'm also trying to run a business. So I'm dealing with furlough, I'm dealing with Brexit issues, I'm dealing with all the new import duties, and I'm dealing with the buying for autumn, winter this year. Um, most of the deadlines coming up in the next couple of weeks. So it's it's pretty busy. Yeah, and I think this is one of the, 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 the key pressures that any small business owner faces at the start is what do you prioritise on, what do you focus your own time on, and what do you use other people? So it'd be really, really interesting for our listeners here. What does your team look like? Because you, you said that you have people on furlough, but people are coming back. Like what, what do they focus on, and what skills are the most important to you at the moment to help you effectively trade? Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting. As as you said, I've, I've been in senior roles for a while, so I am used to having a team of people to do things for me. I just come up with strategy and other people <laughs> do the work. It's really not like that anymore. So my team at the moment, I've got a full-time store manager, um, a part-time sustainability officer, and then two part-time sales assistants. None of them have any web experience at all. Um, 
And I think that's fine because I think we probably all admit that it's really not rocket science. They're all bright and they can pick it up. Um, and in fact, doing it is by far the best way of learning. Um, and my store manager, it's turned out she's absolutely brilliant at product enrichment. Um, she knows the product inside out. She knows the sort of, of questions that customers ask in store. So she can write a really good product description. And she's also fantastic at dealing with customer inquiries and customer service. Um, I'm not quite so good at that. I'm not used to dealing with customers directly. Um, it's a bit frightening. Um, I think what I'm really missing, because as I say, I think that the team can pick up most of the of the web stuff, but it's the digital marketing side of things. I think if I could have one other person, I would really like a digital marketing person in the team. I mean, I can do it. I've been doing it for years, but I've got other things to focus on. And it really is a full-time job if you want to do it properly. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point you made about the um, having somebody who's not a, a, an e-commerce native, but knows the product inside out and knows what customers want and what questions customers are asking, because half the battle with writing really good product copy is to know have that perspective and a really smart e-commerce person might not have that retail thinking so that's quite interesting um so yeah we're talking about the technology now so you chose shopify i'd love to know how did you make that decision like did you just say well loads of small businesses going on shopify it's it's sas it's easy or did you look at it in the uh, other platforms as well and decide then on balance that shopify was the best option I mean, yeah, a bit of that. Certainly most small businesses I know are using Shopify. Um, and I've got years of experience using enterprise level um, e-com platforms. I've used Aptos, I've used Salesforce, I've used everything out there. But I'm seeing a move towards Shopify, even with slightly bigger brands. And I did some consultancy last year for a, a fashion brand, medium-sized fashion brand who are using Shopify. And I was so impressed with it just in terms of ease of use and the cost effectiveness. Um, so it was quite an easy decision from that point of view. I did look at some of their competitors like WooCommerce and Squarespace, but because I'd already used Shopify, it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Makes sense. Um, and I guess you, you mentioned that you've used other enterprise uh, platforms in the past. And I guess one of the things that I love about Shopify in comparison to some of those is the ecosystem. Um, how much do you think you've benefited from the ecosystem so far? And was that a big part of, I guess, why you ended up choosing Shopify? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's a huge part of it. I mean, I think there's an app for absolutely everything. So all the features that used to take time and effort and cost a lot of money to launch using an enterprise system, even something that seems relatively simple, like ratings and reviews or abandoned basket campaigns or something like that, they're all available just to plug and play, um, but they're also customizable. Um, and they're either included in the service fee or you just pay a small additional monthly cost. And obviously, the additional monthly costs do begin to add up when you plug in a lot of those things. So you've got to be sure that you're plugging in the things that are really adding value to the business. Um, but it's all there. Makes sense. And um, is there anything that you've kind of been, and I guess it sounds like you're relatively new to Shopify still. Um, are there any challenges that you've um, that you've faced or anything that's kind of surprised you from that side of Shopify? Um, I, think, I think what I did find surprising initially was that although there are many, many, many themes to choose from and all of those themes are quite customizable, um, it, it's quite difficult to find the one that actually includes all of the features that you want and obviously I want everything um, but I do have some some key criteria that I want so I'm using the story theme at the moment and I chose it because I'm really looking to tell a story around sustainability with the products and 
Um, and blogs are really important. I needed multiple blogs because I want to talk about the brands and their sustainability journeys as well as our sustainability journey. So it gives me multiple blogs. Um, it lets you search by sustainability aspects and things like that. But it doesn't do some quite simple things, things that I would have thought that were fairly, you know, critical, <laughs> like allowing um, allowing you to filter by size. You can't do that. So I can, I think I can go into the code and fiddle with it and make that happen. I'm working on it at the moment. Um, but I think it's that I was just surprised that it's quite hard to find something that does everything that you want. But that's just because I want everything. <laughs> so, you know, one of, one of the key things is you bought into like an existing retailer that's got a physical store and you launched e-commerce on top. What, what I'd be keen to hear about is how have you been aligning the customer service from an omni-channel point of view? Are there any any tips you can give other small business listeners? Are there any tools that you use that really help you to, to deliver the best possible service you can? Um, Shopify launched a new live chat function, which they just randomly switched on on my site without telling me anything about it um, around Christmas. And initially it was terrifying because suddenly I was getting these like real-time customer inquiries. Um, but actually... When I was able to handle them, because my team weren't furloughed and I had other people doing stuff, it was brilliant because if you can actually talk to a customer in real time while they're looking at a product, they're in the right frame of mind to buy something. If they've got questions around sizing and things like that, I actually saw it directly result in conversions, which was great. Um, and it's just not the same as 24 hours later responding to an email with information about the size of a product. So that was really useful. I think... Being able to do click and collect, giving us the opportunity to, even with the contact-free click and collect that we have to offer at the moment, we can deal with exchanges, we can talk to customers about sizing in the doorway, that sort of thing. So it's that sort of the link between the online and the offline, which has been really easy to do with Shopify, I have to say, compared to how incredibly difficult it was to do it at Coast, for example. <laughs> Admittedly, I only have one store, so it is a slightly easy, easier proposition. But you do literally just turn it on. It's great. And on the live chat, is it text chat you're using or have you used video chat as well? Uh, so far, I haven't been brave enough to do video chat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's something. That's something. Just wait until Shopify launch it on your site for you. It'll be sorted. Yeah, that will be great. I'd actually have to like brush my hair and things. It would be really bad. <laughs> Post-lockdown video chat uh, in the room. Yeah, you could just put the dog in front of the camera <laughs> and I'll do oh. the talking. Maybe there's your there's your next recruit. Perfect. <laughs> and, and you know, we talked about resourcing. You know, the challenges you had of 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 trying to do everything yourself. How do you prioritize time and effort? Like, how do you find out and know what is going to drive the most value, um, so that you can focus on that in the short term? Yeah, it's been one of my biggest learnings as a first-time business owner is, is that you absolutely can't do everything um, and you really do need to learn to prioritise. Um, but I think an aspect of it is, is testing and learning. So sometimes I think you just have to do something and see what impact it, it has. Um, and it's also not necessarily listening to perceived wisdom and maybe just trying something yourself because maybe it works in your market. I have been told for years that email is dying Um but I've got a really responsive customer base. They respond so well to email marketing. The days I send an email out, I buy far my biggest days. It's my biggest conversion driver. It's my most cost-effective marketing tool. And I've doubled the email database in six months. And I'm going to continue to do that because it is really, really important to my business. Um, 
But I don't think I would have immediately thought that going into it because actually it wasn't a particularly impressive email database and the previous owner hadn't done anything with it. And um, what 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 else do you have coming up? Like, what's in your roadmap for this year? Are there um, are there other kind of third parties you're looking to introduce? Any of the kind of multi-channel um, aspects you could do um, through Shopify? Um, yeah, what else are you looking to do? I think if there's anything I learned from uh, <laughs> from 2020, it's about being flexible with your planning um, and maybe not having a roadmap that's set in stone. Uh, and I suspect 2021 is going to be a little bit like that as well. Um, but I do, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline. So I've just upgraded my store point of sale. Uh, so I'm going to need to integrate that with Shopify and there's an app for that. Um, and the new version of POS is going to let me access real-time sales data from store so I can start to use that to make marketing decisions and merchandising decisions for e-com, which will be exciting. Um, I want to have a look at some new markets, although obviously <laughs> Europe's pretty much out of the question these days. Thanks, Brexit. Um, but it's really easy to do. Um, and I actually, I've already had a couple of customers from different countries. They, they send an email and go, please, 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 can I buy something? So I just create a little um, shipping zone for their country and let them do it. And it's quite an interesting way of testing how long it takes for things to get there, how much it costs, all that sort of thing. So I'd like to do some more new markets. I, I, there definitely is an opportunity out there. Um, we're using Royal Mail for deliveries but I had a lot of issues over Christmas um, with delayed orders, missing orders. Um, so I think I'd need to switch to another carrier in time for peak. So that's on the list as well. And I want to look at eco carriers because this needs to be a thing and it needs to be a thing that we should do. And I'm also looking at setting up a returns portal. Um, now volumes are increasing, obviously returns are increasing as well, and it's becoming a bit of a pain to do it manually. And I think we need something that manages it a bit more efficiently. So again, there are apps for that. Um, and do you, um, you mentioned a new POS. Um, are you planning on moving to Shopify's POS at any point? Um, no. So I have upgraded to Clover, um, mainly because... From the store point of view, it's got some really great functionality around um, CRM. And obviously, I can integrate it with Shopify. Um, and I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Shopify obviously has the option there, but I've done it store first. <laughs> it's so strange. It's so weird being an e-com person and <laughs> yeah. doing it all this way around. But, but certainly... The hardware was really important. Um, having something that looks right and it's easy to use in the store. And there's a really great, they've got this brilliant touchscreen device for customers to use. Nobody needs to touch anything. They just tap their card. It's, it's great. Um, and then they can they can enter their email address. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It's really nice. And there's internet obviously available on that terminal as well. So you can show people stuff on the website and things. It's cool as well because they do itemized uh, receipts, don't they, with that? Yes, as well. Yes, and there's so much more reporting in it as well. So, yeah, and again, I can actually access it without having to come into the store, which was the problem with the previous version. So I was spending my weekends in the evenings after the shop was closed, coming in to see what had sold. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and I guess lastly, so last question for me anyway, um, do you have any advice or there or there things that you've learned that you think would benefit people uh, looking at setting up their own store now? Um, yes. I mean, I, I think I would, I would recommend Shopify. I'm sure the other options in their space are, are, are good as well. Other options are available, but it, it's been 
super easy to use. And I think the big benefit for me is with a team of people who don't know anything about the web, they've picked it up really quickly. So from day one, when we launched the website, they were able to deal with returns and refunds and click and collect using the laptop in store with only a really brief training session from me. Um, and they just picked it up immediately. And then, then they figured out how to do other things. So that it's it's been really easy to use. Um, I think don't panic about returns. I think that's probably for anyone who has, if you're going from offline to online, the volume of returns will freak you out. My, my team are terrified by it, but it is just part of the whole shopping process. And you will sell that stock eventually. <laughs> just expect to have it back. Make it painless as possible for the customer. Refund them as soon as you can. And hopefully they will continue to be customers. Um, and also, yeah, you can't do everything. So find out what your priority issues are and focus on them. And on that point, how do you um, get any customer feedback? Because so, yeah, from, from your background, knowing the importance of voice of customer and doing data analysis um, and having teams that do that, how have you switched that into a small business environment? Like, How do you encourage feedback and, and what data do you capture? Um, reviews. So at the moment, I'm only doing product reviews, but we get a lot of customer review of, of feedback about the store and the service as part of that. Um, and I'm looking at something like Trustpilot for a more sort of generic about the business type review. Uh, and that data is actually really useful. But actually, what I'm finding it most useful for is for inspiring the team um, and making them feel great and feel like they're doing a good job. Because we are quite well loved around here. Like we've we've got a really nice loyal customer base who really like the store and they want us to continue through these difficult times and they say some really nice things about us. So providing a forum for them to do that. Social media obviously really important too. Um but yeah, it's <laughs> there's so much data. <laughs> how you how you figure out what you need to look at and when is uh, is really interesting. I've I realized after I'd probably about a month after I'd launched the website and I was so caught up in at the time I had a store that was reopened as well so at the store opened the, the website was running I was doing all the buying for spring summer everything was happening at once and I went I don't know what my conversion rate is <laughs> and it's like that is a fundamental piece of information that as anyone running an e-com site you would have it on the tip of your tongue at any moment and I actually had to go in to GA and, and have a look because I was like, hmm, I, I didn't need that information or I hadn't needed it up until that point. So I think the stuff that used to be really important isn't necessarily, I mean, obviously you want to know when it's going up and down and what's causing that, but it's one of a billion pieces of information that I've got. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that's a that's a really salient bit of takeaway advice to people is is focus on on metrics that you can do something about because yeah. data's vanity if you just capture loads of stuff and can't do anything with it. Yeah, so true, so true. And actually, I can get ten times as much traffic one day with exactly the same amount of product and exactly the same products, and it doesn't necessarily convert. And is it the weather? Did we have the wrong thing in the shop window? And I, yeah, <laughs> data doesn't tell you everything. <laughs> no, the joys of context. So I spend a lot of time when I'm working with client teams on data is, do you understand what it's telling you, not just what it is? Yeah. Um, I really like the point you made about reviews, though, about using them to inspire and motivate the teams. I think that's a really nice way of looking at it. And I think it's something that a lot of, lot of bigger businesses don't spend enough time doing is 
is when, when especially customer service things are stuck in the I'm angry um, <laughs> customer yeah. mode to go, hey, look at all this beautiful stuff that people are saying about us. Yeah, it is. It's really motivating. And, and I think especially at the moment when everyone's stuck at home feeling sad, um, it's just reminding them that they're valued. Yes, yeah, it's an important part of uh, of running a business. Uh, that's that's uh, all of the key questions we had today. Which I mean, it's been really interesting to to hear the transition and your experience, and and also your advice to other businesses in the same position. If any of the, uh, our listeners want to learn more, or got questions about what you're doing, or even how you're using Shopify, um, how could they reach out to you? Well, when the shops open, they're more than welcome to pop in um, for a chat. Uh, 69b broadway market but obviously you can email me um i'm emma at 69b boutique.com or you can find me on twitter i'm at emma bonner amazing uh, it's a pleasure talking to you i'm always in awe of bravery of people who quit the familiar world of e-commerce management and leadership to run their own businesses so i hope it continues to grow and work out for you oh thank you um and thanks as always to everyone for listening it's the last episode in our series on e-commerce launches and migrations the client perspective a nice short title for that series uh, keep an eye out for the new series that starts next week on customer experience and we've got martin newman founder of customer service action on and uh, do subscribe if you haven't already so thanks for listening and do check out Amazon brand at 69bboutique.com <laughs>